Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is called Sybil, Hero of the American Revolution, an original story by Daniel Hines based on the true story of Sybil Ludington, an undersung hero of the Revolutionary War. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Safia and her family, Faith and her family, Bina, Shula, Julian, and Jonah and their family, and Calvin and Oslo Young and their family. Thank you so much, Oslo, Calvin, Jonah, Julian, Shula, Bina, Faith, and Safia. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and receive a thank you in a future episode, please head to patreon.com stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to Amanda at storiespodcast.com and let us know who to thank. For as little as $1 per month, our Patreon subscribers also gain access to a special commercial-free feed with all of our past episodes on it. The feed works with any podcast player, and you can email us if you need help setting it up. Stories Podcast is brought to you by Chase. Millennials are skipping the starter home and buying more three- to four-bedroom houses than prior generations. This means a larger down payment. Until you save money back up again, you're temporarily house-rich. Chase can help you build up your funds again by saving you money over time. While other lenders incentivize the upfront transaction, Chase is there for you in the long run. They actively manage your mortgage over time and help you lower your payments or pay it all off faster. As a Chase customer, they'll save you money over time by showing you how you can lower your monthly payment. Chase, make more of what's yours. Learn more at chase.com stories. All home lending products are subject to credit and property approval. Rates, program terms, and conditions are subject to change without notice. Not all products are available in all states or for all amounts. Other restrictions and limitations apply. Home lending products offered by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. and Equal Housing Lender. Summer is finally here. It's time for beach days and barbecues, family vacations, and quality time with the ones you love. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend a whole day getting my hair colored at the salon when I could be outside playing frisbee with my dog, but I also don't want to take a chance on a box kit from the drugstore. Now there's another option, Madison Reed. It took a strong woman to shake up the hair coloring world and Amy Errett did just that with Madison Reed, the company she named after her daughter. Madison Reed offers gorgeous, professional hair color delivered to your door for less than $25. What makes their color unique is that it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm to create over 45 gorgeous multi-tonal shades. Clients agree. With Madison Reed, you get gorgeous, shiny, multi-dimensional, healthy-looking, fresh-from-the-salon hair. But you can do it yourself at home. Get an expert color consultation or take the color quiz at madison-reed.com. And right now, Stories Podcast listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code STORIES. That's code STORIES for 10% off your first color kit plus free shipping. Thanks! Enjoy the episode! The Revolutionary War was fought in America starting in 1775. Back then, America was still ruled by the British kings and queens. Eventually, Americans decided they didn't want to be ruled by another country anymore, and they tried to leave British rule. The British didn't want them to leave, and so the two countries went to war. This is the story of Sybil Ludington, a young girl who got caught in the middle. Sybil, 
Hero of the American Revolution. Sybil woke to shouts and smoke. Her mother screamed and her father roared. Quick as a cat, she rolled from her bed and pulled on a dressing gown. The spring breeze carried the scent of freshly tilled earth and distant burning through her open window. Downstairs, her father carried on yelling as pots and pans clanged in the background. Sybil wanted to run down there, but she'd promised her father she'd stay in her room at night. He was a colonel in the Continental Army, well involved in the war against the British, so there were often important and secret conversations in their kitchen well after dark. Sybil liked to sneak halfway down the stairs and listen in until she got caught. She had overheard soldiers passing messages, spies reporting on British troop movements, and once she even watched her mother sew up a soldier who had taken a terrible bayonet wound. The strangest thing was that her mother seemed used to it, like maybe it wasn't her first time playing surgeon. It had given Sybil a newfound respect for her mom. She had always heard that women were supposed to go all woozy and faint when it came to blood and danger, but that clearly wasn't true. Mother had put five inches of stitching into the young soldier and shushed him when he hollered. And watching that hadn't made Sybil feel faint. No, she'd felt more awake than ever. She had grown up hearing about the dream of American independence at her father's knee, and now that dream was being made a reality. It was being forged daily by people like her parents, by bakers and blacksmiths and the rich and the poor, It was being shaped in the woods of New York with muskets and hatchets and tempered in the tea-filled waters of the Boston Harbor. A free America was being born, one day at a time, and Sybil longed to help. Unable to stop herself, she crossed to her door. Her feet were tanned and calloused from her love of being barefoot and made no sound on the floorboards beneath her. She pressed her ear to the wood and strained to hear. One of General Wooster's boys came her father's voice. His horse looks half dead, the poor thing, replied her mother. Must be important, said father, and Sybil heard a bar being lifted and the front door unlocked. Wake Sybil, she can tend to the horse. Sybil jerked her head away from the door with a start at the sound of her name. Oh no, if her parents found her eavesdropping again, she might get scolded and then they might not let her help with the horse. A moment later, There was the familiar shuffle-pit-pat of her mother's footsteps coming up the stairs. Sybil ran as quickly and silently as she could down the hallway and leapt back into bed, heart pounding. She had just finished fixing the covers when the door opened and her mother walked in, carrying a lantern. Sybil squinted into the light. What's going on? I heard shouting, she said, hoping that it seemed like she had just woken up. Come with me, Sybil, and be quiet. We don't want to wake the little ones. The little ones were her brothers and sisters. There were twelve total, and Sybil was the oldest. Mother turned and headed back down the stairs. Sybil shuffled after her, trying to puzzle out what might be going on. A message from General Wooster in the dead of night was either very good or very bad news. Judging by the faint smell of smoke in the breeze, it wasn't likely to be a very good kind of night. Good, Sybil, her father said when she walked into the kitchen. We have a visitor. His horse needs care. Can you see to it? Yes, sir, said Sybil, fighting to keep the excitement from her voice. She'd gone on rides visiting the troops before, but this was the first time she'd ever been asked to help. If she did everything well, maybe she could do even more. 
The rider pounded down the driveway, lit by the silver dollar moon overhead. His horse was foaming at the mouth and the rider was sitting awkwardly in the saddle, only one hand gripping the reins. I think he's hurt, Mother said. The rider pounded past the stables and past the front entrance and right up to the kitchen door. Father eased Sybil and her mother away and leveled his musket. Get back. It could be a trick, he said, steady as only an old soldier can be. The rider spilled from his saddle and slammed against the kitchen door. Colonel! Colonel Luddington, are you there? It's Orange Adams! The doorknob turned and the door swung open. By God, don't shoot me! The rider said, and then he slumped over and fell into the room. His hand left a bloody print on the doorframe. The colonel set his unfired musket on the table and ran to the man, helping him into a chair. Sybil ran outside. She grabbed the confused horse and led him to the stables. Orange Adams? She'd met him a few times before. He was one of General Wooster's best messengers. He was 16, like Sybil, and they had bonded over their love of fast horses. She didn't know his real first name. Everyone just called him Orange for his wild, carrot-colored hair. She hoped he wasn't hurt too badly. After a quick look, the horse wasn't actually injured, just ridden to exhaustion. Orange would never do that to a horse, unless it was of life or death importance. She had to get back inside. Whatever was going on, Sybil wanted to help as much as she could. As quickly as possible, Sybil stripped off saddle and the rest and placed a blanket soaked in cool water across the horse's back. She filled the water trough and waited to make sure the animal was drinking before she darted back to the house. Get your breath, boy, get your breath, her father said to Orange as she slipped back into the kitchen. Sybil was relieved to see that she hadn't missed any important information. Her mother had kindled a fire in the stove and was heating water. Father had torn the boy's sleeve away to get a better look at his wound. It was a long and ugly furrow, crusted with dried blood and dirt. The... Colonel! The boy gasped. Deep breath, boy. Your ride is done. The British! Out with it, Orange! They've burned Danbury! They've burned the whole town to the ground, sir! Father sat heavily. Mother gasped and nearly dropped the steaming bowl of broth she had been preparing for the messenger. Sybil's eyes got wide. Burned? You're sure? She asked before she could stop herself and glanced at her father when she realized she'd spoken out of turn, but he was only focused on Orange. The boy nodded. I was sent by General Wooster himself. We had word the British were coming and managed to pull out some supplies, but we didn't have the men to fight them. We need you and your militia, Colonel. Father huffed. That'll be a trick. It's planting season. They've all gone home to their farms to get a crop in. Mother set down a basin of hot water and brought over a roll of bandage. Musket ball? She asked, and Orange nodded. You're lucky. It's deep, but you'll keep the arm. This'll sting, though, she said, and began to wash out the wound. Orange gritted his teeth, but didn't complain. Soon, the basin was brown and frothy, and his arm was clean and bandaged. Father stood and paced back and forth. Sybil stood to one side, hoping not to be noticed and sent away. I'll need to round up the men and get everything ready. He turned to Orange. Any chance you have another ride in you tonight? Uh, General Wooster needs me back as soon as you can spare a horse. I'll have to make the trip one-handed, but I've got others to warn. I'm sorry, Colonel. Father nodded. 
Sybil tried to guess what he might be thinking. He didn't seem to be surprised by the answer. I have to stay and organize the troops, and no one else knows the way. Lord, but we'd need to go up through Mayopec, and then on to Farmer's Mill and back. It's forty miles. General says we need those men, sir. He says, if the British are as far inland as Danbury, America needs those men. A thoughtful silence hung thick in the air. Orange sipped from his bowl of broth. Mother rinsed the basin. Father rubbed idly at his stubbled chin. Sybil closed her eyes and thought about how tricky that ride would be. Forty miles over rough trails with nothing but the moon to light your way. Sybil had made the trip with her father a dozen times during the day, and she knew just how dangerous it could be. To really do it right, you'd need to know every village and farmstead along the way. You'd need to know the bridge was bad near Old Haven and that there were still British spies in Kent Cliffs. You'd need to know that there were 80 good fighting men in Mayopac, but none in the neighboring town of Easton. To have a chance, she realized, you'd pretty much have to be... Me, Sybil said. It should be me that goes. Father looked up at her, eyes blazing. In that moment, he wasn't her father at all. He was Colonel Luddington of the Continental Army, war-hardened veteran of a dozen battles. Do you know the way? I do. Through Carmel and Mayopec and on. I know the bad bridge and the spies in Kent. I know the way. I do. The colonel stared back at her. Do you really want to go? There was a silence while Sybil paused to think. No. And yes, she said after a moment. It's scary, but it needs to be done. And I'm the best person to do it. Yup, laughed Orange. She's your daughter, all right. The colonel sighed and his face relaxed, and there was her father again. He smiled a tired smile and rose from his chair. That she is, he said. All right, Sybil, change into something dark and better suited for riding. Trousers and a shirt. Take what you need from your brothers. Fast now. Sybil turned and ran up the stairs before he could change his mind. One of her brothers was the same height as her, and she quickly stole a dark brown pair of trousers and a matching shirt. She put on her riding boots and tied back her hair with a piece of black ribbon. It took her a few tries because her hands were shaking so badly. She couldn't tell if she was more excited or more afraid. Forty miles through the woods at night. Forty miles! Sybil finally got her hair settled and headed down to the kitchen. Her mother immediately came over and wrapped her in the tightest hug of her life. I love you, honey. Please be safe. Promise me. I promise, Mom. Mother broke away and wiped at her eyes. There was a cloth-wrapped bundle on the table, and she picked it up. Here, she said, pushing it into Sybil's hands. It's the rest of the chicken from dinner. It's a long ride, and you need your strength. Thanks, Mom, Sybil said. And when she realized just how worried her mother was, she added, I'll be fine. Your father's with Orange at the stables. Go on now, don't worry about me. What's one mother when the whole country needs you? To me, everything, said Sybil, giving her mother a kiss on the forehead. And don't worry, I'll take Abraham. He knows the way. That seemed to make her mother feel better. She mopped at her eyes with her nightgown. Go on, go on, don't keep your father waiting. Sybil pushed out the door and walked to the stables. Rain was beginning to fall, driven by the spring winds. Soon, the moon would be behind the clouds. She'd have to be careful.
ride slowly. It would make the trip take longer and she'd be soaked, but better that than falling off her horse. The stable doors swung open and Orange rode out on Rusher, the fastest of her father's horses. The young messenger held the reins tightly in one hand, his other arm in a sling. Looks like a bad night for traveling, he said casually, casting an eye skyward. Sure does, said Sybil. I'd hate to be the poor simpletons who volunteered to go riding through this. Orange laughed. Yup, they'd have to be just about the most cracked couple of fools this side of the colonies. They smiled widely at each other. Good luck, Orange, she said. You too, Sybil, he said. And listen, you see anything strange, you just ride away, okay? It's dangerous out there. Redcoats and bandits both. But not one that can catch Sybil Luddington on a horse. With that, he spurred his horse and took off back down the drive. Sybil watched him go, but he soon disappeared into the rain and gloomy dark. Got Abraham ready for you, her father said, leading the horse from the barn. Abraham was her father's favorite. When he would make this ride, sometimes with Sybil, but more often alone, he would always ride Abraham. The chestnut quarter horse knew the trails and wasn't shy about riding in the dark. Sybil took the reins and swung herself into the saddle. Her father reached up and handed her his own rain cloak. Ride as fast as you dare, but be careful, too. Don't stop for anyone on the road. Don't waste too much time looking if you can't find someone right away. Just send as many as you can by morning. I will. Father boosted himself up on the horse's rump to kiss her on the top of the head. Proud of you, Sybil. I won't let you down. He dropped back to the ground. I know you won't. Now get going. He slapped Abraham's rump and the horse started forward. I'll see you at dawn, he hollered after her. And then she was down the drive and trotting over the tree-shaded road. The rain came down and down as the staccato hoofbeats carried her north. At first, it was just wet and cold, but as she urged her horse into a gallop, the raindrops began to sting her cheeks. It was painful and wet and miserable, and to make it worse, she was terribly afraid of every creak and croak from the woods. In the rainy dark, every bush looked like a bandit and every stump a British officer. Luckily, her first stop wasn't far, and not twenty minutes later, she was swinging out of her saddle by the Ashmont's garden. She beat their door with her riding crop until a bleary, bedrobed Mr. Ashmont opened the door. Who? Sybil? What's wrong? Is your father okay? Sybil had spent the ride thinking of the quickest way to say it, and it came roaring out of her now. The British are burning Danbury. The generals are calling for every man of the militia. Rally at my father's house. Wake your sons and neighbors. Sybil expected him to have a hundred questions, but she should have known better. These were her father's soldiers, America's army, men who were ready to fight so quickly they were known as the Minutemen, even before they were at war with the British. Right, I'll handle it, was all he said, then turned to yell into the house to wake up the others. Sybil turned and vaulted back into her saddle. With a yell, she drove Abraham into a gallop and pounded down the road. She didn't feel afraid anymore, she realized. She was a part of the fight. And all over this country, there were people like her father and Mr. Ashmont who would have her back at a moment's notice. People who believed what she believed and wouldn't let themselves be ruled by some king halfway across the world. She didn't even feel the rain anymore. On and on she rode, 
down winding country lanes and through wooded paths where the leaves brushed her face like cold, wet fingers. She rode over bridges of sagging driftwood and up the cobbled walks of mansions. She rode through old native trails that wound under moon-soaked waterfalls and picked their way up rocky passes. She rode as fast as she dared and then faster still, Abraham plunging ahead, breath streaming in the rain-chilled air. She rode from house to house, from town to town, alone through the dark and stormy night. She rode from her home in New York all the way north to Farmer's Mill. She rode and woke men in their ones and twos and dozens and sent them south to battle for liberty. She rode, and as she headed home, she began to sing. Her voice was bright and clear as the first morning bird. It stirred the anger in her countrymen to a righteous fire and sent a dagger of fear into the hearts of the British and loyalists as they realized the dream of a free America would not be so easily forgotten. The sun was just beginning to dawn when Sybil saw her own home on the horizon. Though she was soaked and sore and near mad with exhaustion, she let out a cry of triumph and urged her horse on. When she finally slid out of the saddle by the stables, her father was there to catch her in a hug. He lifted her up and spun her through the air. My Sybil, my hero, he said. Then mother was there with a warm blanket that she carefully draped about Sybil's shoulders. Come and see what you've done, said mother. Father led them around the stables and the house to the southern lawns. There, assembled in their rows, were hundreds of soldiers. Some had muskets, some had long rifles or the coveted brown bess. More than a few even had no guns at all but wooden bows and arrows. They all cheered when they saw Sybil come around the house. Sybil! Sybil! The best rider in the Continental Army! Like old Paul Revere! Woo! Sybil blushed and waved and that made them cheer even louder. In the end... Father ushered her back inside and let her collapse into bed. Four hundred men, Sybil. Four hundred soldiers. My sweet girl, you've brought me an army. Sybil began to snore. Father laughed and draped a blanket over her. Mother came in behind him and shut the drapes to keep out the sun. She's a brave one. Like her father. Her mother, too, he said. And together, they left Sybil to sleep. As the sun rose, Colonel Ludington led the men his daughter had gathered and joined with General Wooster to push the British away from Danbury and back to the sea. It was a terrible battle, but in the end, the British were driven back to their ships and the Americans won the day, though General Wooster and many other good soldiers were lost. From there, the Revolutionary War lasted another six years, until the British suffered a crushing defeat at Yorktown and were forced to surrender. The Treaty of Paris was signed soon after, making America, for the first time, a free country. The last British troops left from New York City on November 25, 1783. Years later, after he learned of her heroic ride, George Washington himself thanked Sybil Ludington, one of the heroes of the American Revolution. The End Today's story, Sybil, Hero of the American Revolution, is an original story written by Daniel Hines and performed by me, Amanda Weldon. Statues of Sybil stand today in Carmel, New York, and on the grounds of the Daughters of the American Revolution headquarters in Washington, D.C. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and receive a thank you in a future episode, 
please head to patreon.com slash stories and make a pledge. Then send an email to amanda at storiespodcast.com and let us know who to thank. Thanks for listening.